0: Alright, so, in 1 Corinthians, uh, what we know is we know that Paul is what we would call a spiritual father. Uh, He loves this church, uh, he is concerned for this church, and what he has found out through letters that have been written to him is that this church is challenged. They are facing all kinds of challenges And if you've been with us uh, over these past couple of months as we've dug into this letter, 1 Corinthians, you'll know that those challenges are not just exterior challenges. They're not just challenges out there. They're challenges on the inside as well. And so tonight we're going to see another challenge. As a matter of fact, um, let me just rehash some of the challenges we've already faced. Uh, They had a challenge of division. There were divisions within the church, um, cliques, if you will, Uh, They had a challenge of worldliness. Many of their new members looked and acted more like the world than they did the church. Uh, They had immorality issues, sexual immorality issues. They had issues, right, with marriage and with singleness. And Paul has answered all of those questions. Uh, He has given them scripture. Uh, As a matter of fact, Paul has made it clear that in every area of their lives, they should be focused on God and focused on giving him glory. Uh and that's what we saw in First Corinthians chapter seven. You know, there were issues where um married couples were were going to get divorced because they heard that it was better to be single and serve God. And Paul said, Hey listen, I, I choose that lifestyle. You know, I think it's better uh to be single, but listen, you can glorify God in your marriage just as you can glorify God uh, in celibacy, in singleness, and so uh, Paul made it very clear: whatever God has called you to be, be that. Uh, if that's married, be married. If it's single, be single. But glorify and honor God in your marriage. Glorify and honor God in your singleness. And so we get to this chapter, First Corinthians chapter eight, and and it's it's amazing how like you just switch gears, right? You go from you go from marriage and singleness to food food sacrifice to idols it's like what in the world but I'll tell you this this was a letter that was written to him so so he read this letter and he saw this concern about marriage and singleness and now he's reading this letter and it's about food sacrifice to idols and that's what it's about in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 that's the challenge that the church faced Food sacrificed to idols. And I realize, you know, you might say, well, Brother Jeff, what does this chapter have to do with Start Baptist Church today? You know, because we don't do this kind of temple worship where we're sacrificing food to idols. Um, but I do believe, I do believe there are issues, right, that, that cause this challenge, that cause this problem that we do see today. And that's what we're gonna get to because there was an issue, Behind this question of what do we do about the food sacrifice to idols? And the issue behind this challenge is how do you use knowledge? What do you do with the knowledge that God gives you? How do you exercise that knowledge? Because that's what this is all about. This food sacrifice to idols, it's all about the knowledge, right? That the older and more mature believers had... And the younger, newer believers did not have. And so that's what this is all about. It's an issue of knowledge. And knowledge, like many things, is a good thing. But it can become a dangerous thing. And Christ followers are not exempt from that. So that's what I want us to look at tonight. The issue of knowledge. How do we exercise it? How do we use it? And how does it not only impact us, how does it impact the people that are walking with us who don't know? what we know, who don't possess that knowledge yet, and that's what we're going to look at, so let's dig in, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, we're going to look at the first six verses, Paul says this, now about food, sacrifice to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge, now remember, he's talking to the mature believers, he's talking to Christ followers who understand the subject at hand, he said we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge Puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so called gods, whether in heaven, Or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. Now, When you're studying and you go back and you look at the problem, right, the challenge that the church church faced, food sacrificed to idols, what is this all about? Well, scholars tell us that the Greeks and the Romans were polytheistic. What does that mean? That means they worshipped more than one God. They worshipped many gods. So the Greeks and the Romans, they were accustomed to worshipping Several gods, many gods. They were also polydemonistic. What does that mean? That means they believed in many evil spirits. So they believed and they served and sacrificed to many gods, but they also believed that there were many evil spirits all around them and filling our world. They even believed, the Greeks and the Romans, which in Corinth there was an overflow of Greeks and Romans, which is why I'm telling you this. So they even believed that the evil spirits would attach themselves to the food that they sacrificed to their idols because they believed that if they attached themselves to the food that they could destroy that God. So do you see Do you see what this culture was doing? They were sacrificing food to their many idols And at the same time, they believed that all these evil spirits, when they could, these evil spirits would attach themselves to the food to try to cause the God to stumble or fall. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, I know we don't do that in this culture, but that's what this culture practiced, okay? That's what they were accustomed to. That's what they knew, okay? That was their knowledge. And many of these converts in the Corinthian church, right, This is the background they came from, okay? So even though they had repented of their sin and put their faith in Jesus, they were new converts. They didn't know the scriptures like Paul knew the scriptures. They didn't know the church history like Paul knew the church history, right? They only knew what they were accustomed to. So do you see why this was a challenge, right? Food sacrificed to idols, even though they necessarily didn't do that anymore. It was still on their mind. And so this was a challenge for those young believers, those new believers in the church. Now, what we also know is that in Corinth, in this culture, there were two sources for meat, all right? Now, today, you and I, if we don't like Walmart, we can go to Brookshire's. If we don't like Brookshire's, we can go to Sam's. If we don't like Sam's, we can go to... Wherever, Randall's Meat Market, or we can call Traco, right, Deacons? Right? We've got all these different places where we can go to get our meat. In their culture in this time, there were two places to go to get meat. And this was pretty interesting. They could go to the local temples where the meat was sacrificed to idols, and they could buy that meat at very low price, or they could go to the market and buy the prime meat that was very, very expensive. So, strong and knowledgeable believers, right? Strong and knowledgeable believers, and that's who Paul was talking to in these first three or four verses. They knew about the food sacrificed to idols, and here's what they knew. They knew that the idols weren't real, and they knew that that food was not defiled and contaminated, because they didn't serve those idols And they didn't believe in those evil spirits jumping into the food and destroying an idol. They didn't believe in it. So guess what? The strong believers, they had no problem going to the local temple, buying the meat that was sacrificed to the idols, and eating it. They had no problem with eating it right there. Right? Or taking it home and cooking it and eating it. The strong believers had no problem with that. And that's what Paul was saying, hey, we all have knowledge, right? We know that there's only one God. There's not there's not these idols, they they are not real, right? We know who the real God is. And so that's who Paul was talking to. As a matter of fact, he said, we know that there is only one God, Father God. We know that there is only one Lord, Jesus, Lord Jesus. And so the strong believers had no problem buying the cheaper meat. That was sold at the local temp- temples and digesting it. The new converts, when they saw that, you know what happened? They were offended. They were offended that these so called strong believers would go and eat that defiled meat. They didn't understand, they were confused by it. And, and so Paul is acknowledging this is a problem, this is a challenge. So the new converts, they were offended, they were confused. And Paul addresses the challenge, and he addresses this know-it-all mentality, right? He addresses a know-it-all mentality that seems to be coming from it. So, I want to tell you three things about knowledge that we see in this passage. Number one, knowledge is available. Knowledge is available. God gives us wisdom, but God gives us the the avenues and the opportunities to obtain knowledge. Knowledge is available, okay? Okay. Uh, Paul makes it clear that these older believers, they knew what was right and they knew what was wrong. Uh, knowledge was shared. It was available to everyone. It was even, listen, knowledge was available to both the Christians and the pagans. Knowledge was available. That's not an issue. Uh, they knew their traditions. They knew their customs. I'll tell you something else we know about knowledge. Knowledge is exercised, right? It's exercised. In other words, when you take information... You don't just store it and do nothing with it. You use it. You make decisions with information, with knowledge. We respond and we react with what we know. We make decisions every day based on what we know. And those decisions don't just impact us. It impacts anybody that we have contact with. So these these decisions, this knowledge that was available and this knowledge that was exercised, it mattered. It mattered both in the church and out of the church. It wasn't only impacting strong believers, it was impacting the weaker believers and even those uh, who they were trying to reach with the gospel. I love Dr. Warren Wiersbe, and in his commentary he said this. He said, knowledge, listen to this, this is so good. Knowledge can be a weapon to fight with, or a tool to build with. Depending on how it is used, it will either puff up, or it will build up. That's pretty good, right? Knowledge. We can either fight with it, or we can build with it. It'll either puff us up, or it'll build others up. I love that. Dr. Wiersbe, uh, great commentary on this passage so we know knowledge is available, we know it can be exercised, and here's the point that Paul is making, and he makes it very clear in those last, that verse 5, verse 6, knowledge should be tempered with love, knowledge, it should be tempered with love, it's the kind of love that Christ shows us, it's a love That serves others. It's a love that builds others up. Dr. David Jeremiah says this. In his commentary. He says mere knowledge. Of what is right and wrong. Can manifest itself as sort of a pride. In knowing. That never makes the transition into living. He said so what you can do. Is you can take the knowledge. And use it for yourself. And never have anyone else in view. In other words. This is my knowledge. It's good for me you got to get it yourself. you got to take care of yourself. He says you got to be careful with that knowledge. He says this. He says only the knowledge that is humbly applied and motivated and tempered by love will make a kingdom difference. I love that. So Paul makes it very clear right here in this passage that the stronger believers were showing him they were puffed up rather than building up. If this was a challenge in the church, right? He's not looking at the new the new and the young believers, the weaker believers, and saying it's your problem. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the older, quote unquote, more mature Christians. He's saying you haven't exercised knowledge the way you should. You're you're puffed up rather than building up. And so even though they were right in knowing that the idols had no power, even though they were right knowing that the food was not truly defiled, their behavior and their actions was offensive to the newer converts and it confused them, right? It held them down rather than built them up. And that's what Paul is saying. So look at how he finishes this passage, verses seven through 13. He says, but not everyone possesses this knowledge. So again, he's talking to these more mature believers. He's saying at the very beginning, the first six verses, hey, all of us, more mature believers, we all have this knowledge. And now he's telling them, hey, these new converts, they don't possess this knowledge that you have. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a God. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. Look at verse 9. This is the key verse. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. If you have a pencil and you don't mind writing in your Bible, you ought to underline verse 9. And it's so important that I'm going to read it again. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights, right, a freedom that you have, does not become a stumbling block to the weak for if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating at an idol's temple won't that person be emboldened to eat emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols so this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge when you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience you sin against Christ wow that's powerful verse 13 therefore if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall Paul says this is so serious right and my heart is so turned and bent to making sure that you grow in your relationship with Christ that if I have a right to do this yet you're offended by it and yet you don't understand and it causes you to stumble I won't do this again Because I'm more concerned for you and your spiritual growth than I am my right to eat this meat. That's pretty powerful. I'm going to tell you, that's probably not a message a lot of people want to swallow today. You want to know why? It's what I said this morning because we got a heart problem. We got a self problem. We got a me problem. I want it this way. I want it that way. Well, I would do it like this. Well, I would do it like that. Paul's got a, he's got a very good word for us, right? So let's look at this. Some of these new believers, and I've already said this, but I want you to be able to write it down. Some of these new believers were still accustomed to old idolatry practices. It didn't mean they were performing those practices. It just meant it was fresh on their mind and that's what they thought about when it was done. So they were still accustomed to old idolatry practices and they did not yet possess this knowledge that freed them from that, right? They were not yet to the understanding that there are no other gods but the one God. There are no other lords but the one Lord. They're still fresh in their faith, right? new in their faith journey and so they don't have this range of knowledge and this range of wisdom that more mature and older believers would have and that's what Paul says they don't possess the knowledge that you possess right now they still believed that the meat sacrificed to temples uh, to idols in the temples was defiled as Paul says their conscience is weak he didn't mean they were less than he just meant that their conscience how they thought was weaker than the more mature older believers. And so this is the main point right here. Care and concern. Those two words. Care and concern must be used with the exercise of knowledge and freedom. And I'll say this again. Just because we have a right or a freedom doesn't mean we have the right or the freedom to carelessly exercise it. Did you hear me? Just because we have a right or a freedom does not give us the right to carelessly exercise that right or freedom. And I think that's a problem that many people have today is that we think, well, I can do this because the Lord says so. But what does it do to your brother or sister in front of you? Because the Lord says something about that too. Right? It says something about putting others' interest above your own. And we'll get to that in just a few minutes. We must consider others. We must consider who they are, where they are, where they've come from, what they know, what they don't know. I'm going to tell you, I say this all the time. We are Christ's ambassadors, right? You know what Paul says? We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. I hadn't got to that passage yet, but we will. We are His ambassadors. I say this all the time. We are His vessels. What does that mean? That means He pours into us, and what do we do? We pour it back out. I mean, mamas and daddies, you pour out to your children, right? I mean, Sunday school teachers, you pour out to your class members, right? We pour out the knowledge God gives us. We pour out the wisdom God gives us. We pour out the grace that God gives us. We pour out the love that God gives us. We're not... We're not, we're not this, we're not a bottle and it just gets poured in and we put a cap on it and hold on to it. You know what we are? We're a funnel. That's what we are. We got way too many Christians wanting to be the bottle rather than wanting to be the funnel. I pray this all the time. God, don't just bless me, make me a blessing. I pray that for our church all the time. Lord, don't just bless us, right? Uh, don't don't just fill up our bank account so we can say, ooh, look, we got all this money. Lord, help us to be a vessel of that. Help us open our doors up to our community. Help us reach out and make sure that our community has what it needs to to live and to live the way you want us to live, right? Be a vessel, be be an ambassador, be a funnel of the knowledge God gives. And, And that's really what the problem was. The problem was these older, more mature believers, they knew and they thought, well, it's okay for us to go buy this sacrificed food because it's not defiled. We know that there are no idols that are real. We know that, that there's no evil spirits in this food that, that's going to contaminate us. No, we, we know better than that. We've got one God. We've got one Lord. But have you considered the brothers and sisters around you who all they grew up knowing was sacrificing to idols in the temple and defiled food? How are you communicating with them? What are you showing them? Even though you have a right, right? And a freedom. How is that right or freedom translating to the brothers and sisters around you that you have a responsibility to? They are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And I love this because Dr. Tony Evans says this was spiritual harm taking place. What seemed to be... a a, A food issue, right? A physical issue, it really was a spiritual issue. Spiritual harm was taking place. This is what Dr. Tony Evans says. He said, we should never intentionally do anything to harm spiritual progress of fellow believers. We don't want to exercise our knowledge and freedom in such a way that would cause anyone to stumble. That's what Dr. Tony Evans says. And Paul makes it very clear. He said to sin against a Christ follower and wounding his or her weak conscience is to sin against who? Christ. Christ. Paul said, when you choose, right? To contain this knowledge and not share it. When you choose to just live the way you want to, even though you got a right to do what you're doing and a freedom to do what you're doing, when you don't consider your brother or sister who's standing right in front of you and they, they fall in their faith, you cause them to stumble your, you just sinned against them. And not only did you sin against them, you sinned against the one who died for them. You sinned against the one who is trying to build them up and raise them up in their faith. You sinned against Christ. That's powerful. i put this on your handout. Um, it, it's, it's awesome. Dr. David Jeremiah, he says to live in unity, which is what the church should be all about, right? Because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are three in one. That's unity. And the church is to live in that unity. So he said to live in unity, believers must practice three things. Look at this. Harmony, humility, and helpfulness. Harmony, humility, and helpfulness. And when I read that, I can't help but think of one passage of Scripture. It's another passage that Paul wrote to another church, but it applies. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3-4. through four. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. What an awesome, awesome verse. And I'm going to tell you, um, I've been reading that verse for almost two weeks now every day. I've just been reading that that, that verse, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. That passage, every day, I open up my phone, and I click on it, and I read it. And the question I ask is, God, is that me? Like like, does this verse, is that me? Have my actions today, have they been selfish? Have they been conceited? Do I actually value others more than myself? Have I looked to make sure their needs have been met or have I been so focused and worried about my needs that I could care less about someone else's? That's a good passage of Scripture. I, I know that when you look at this passage, you know, you look at it and you talk about food, sacrifice, idols, and you know, we don't have all that. But I want to go back to this knowledge and freedom thing because I'm, I'm looking in this room and I see brothers and sisters in Christ uh, who have knowledge, who have understanding, who have wisdom. And th- those are gifts from God. You don't have that if God don't give it to you. God's given you the ability to know. He's given you the ability to understand. He's blessed you with wisdom. The question is, how are we exercising that knowledge? How are we exercising that freedom? How, how are we exercising the understanding and the wisdom? Is it to better ourselves? Or is it to better those around us? That, that's, it's the exercise of knowledge and freedom that I want to focus on. Like, what are we doing, right? What are we doing with the knowledge we have? Why are we doing what we do with the knowledge we have? Who are we focused on? Are we focused on God and serving God's kingdom? Or are we focused on self? Because that's really what this was all about. Paul was saying, hey, older, more mature believers, I know and you know that food, right? That, that, that food, <laughs> it's not defiled. We know that. Because we don't, we don't serve those idols. right? We, we don't bow down to those idols. We have one God, the God. We have one Lord, the Lord. Paul said, I, I know, we can eat that meat and it's not going to defile us. But Paul is saying just because we have the right to do that and the freedom to do that, we have to consider the people around us. What does it do to them? How does it benefit their faith and their growth in faith? What does it do for them spiritually to build up? So the question is, are we puffing up or are we building up? Are we puffing up or are we building up? That's really what it's all about. So even though you may look at this and go, well, that don't really apply, I beg to differ. It does apply. <laughs> it does apply. The issue is knowledge and freedom and the exercise of it. It's not food and idols. It's the knowledge and the freedom And how we exercise, that's the real challenge.